0: Chapter Six of Lady Jim of Curzon Street. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Lady Jim of Curzon Street by Fergus Hume. Chapter Six it was jim's custom to saunter into his wife's bedroom before descending to make a hearty meal and complain that he had rested badly this was a pleasing fiction as he slept like a dormouse and snored steadily through the hours he allotted to sleep without even a dream but on entering for his morning grumble he was so surprised to find leah in her dressing-gown before a brisk fire with a breakfast at her elbow and a book open on her lap that he forgot his egotism jim could scarcely believe his lazy eyes for he knew well that leah was no student what's up he asked after pausing at the door to say by jupiter with every appearance of surprise got a headache if i had should i cure it with a novel asked his wife disdainfully don't know i'm sure replied jim with the matutinal good humour of a healthy animal doctors recommend such rum things nowadays but it doesn't matter i'm off to feed wait for ten minutes jim i have something to say you're not goin to read are you i can't stand readin on an empty stum well on nothin have you ever heard of the woman in white asked leah irrelevantly no who is she it's a novel don't read em real life's much more fun lady jim looked at him steadily we might turn this she touched the book lightly into real life going to make a play of it questioned jim obtusely well you might call it a comedy she answered i certainly do not want it to be a tragedy though it might come to that she ended in a lower tone jim opened his puzzled blue eyes want of breakfast i suppose?" he ruminated but i don't know what you're talking about i've passed a white night announced his wife abruptly what's that the french expression for a wakeful night but you say it in english and how can it's useless wasting french on a man who understands only the argot of the toitoire you're wasting it now a wakeful night eh why didn't you try that new sedative demetrius gave you i didn't want to sleep this book was too interesting i wish you to read it and she extended the novel to her husband what if she had offered poison jim could not have betrayed more abhorrence read you want me to read well you know words of two syllables don't you she retorted impatiently take it jim handled the book as though it were a scorpion turning over a hundred leaves rapidly love and diaries and old not at all unless bosh is your word for common sense i see a chance of getting that money what money leah made an impatient movement how dense you are the insurance money of course the twenty thousand pounds suppose you died stop it i told you i wouldn't and you told me that you might pretend to die oh i was only talkin you don't want me to be buried alive it wouldn't be much good said his wife with a shrug we must have a genuine corpse like you an inkling of her meaning stole into jim's dull brain and he sat down suddenly go on said he hoarsely harold garth is like you where the what the you saw him in?" church yesterday he's ill with consumption dying they say demetrius attends him supposing supposing her imagination made her cheeks flush supposing oh you understand the sluggish comprehension of the man grasped her hinted scheme suddenly and his eyes lighted up supposing he died and was buried in place of me you mean you don't suppose i mean murder do you she cried rising to the height of her tall figure and speaking irritably you would if there was money in it said jim grimly it would be a natural death went on leah rapidly and pacing the room to relieve the strain on her nerves the poor fellow can't live long if he died and was buried as no go contradicted jim rising in his turn every one about here knows of the likeness for which he added slowly there's a reason so i learned yesterday from mrs arthur jim was indignant do you mean to tell me i mean to tell you that i gathered the truth from what she left unsaid you don't suppose that i require words to explain things i don't see how it's to be managed said kaimes reflectively if it could be would you surrender everything and-yes i would for a quarter of the money then i'd go out of your life and to lima lima said lady jim stopping suddenly why to lima you've been there three times since we married no end of a place lima muttered jim feebly his wife looked at his colouring face attentively and laughed in a short rasping manner an idea had occurred to her which she did not think it necessary to impart to jim when you're legally dead she said sharply i shall have no control over your life or movements all i want to know is if this business can be managed will you do your share by disappearing yes but i don't see how read that book jim and you'll understand better it gave me the idea though our plot will be different in many ways well said jim tucking the novel under his arm i'll dip into it don't let any one see you reading and replace it in the library without any one knowing why should i you fool snarled leah viciously if this thing is to be carried through safely no suspicion must rest on either of us do you suppose that i have spoken to this double of yours or have let any one know that i have read the book i don't think it really matters much as people are too stupid to see things but it is just as well to be on the safe side but i don't see how began kaimes again and again she cut him short i do i do demetrius attends this young fellow oh and he demetrius i mean leave me to deal with him she said confidently jim flung the book on the floor and looked at her with clenched hands what is this demetrius to you he asked violently a puppet i can pull the strings of she retorted and be good enough to remember that you are not in a training stable if that beastly little tartar my dear jim said his wife coolly if you ask me about demetrius i shall certainly ask you about lima kaimes was taken aback lima he stammered flushing to the roots of his fair hair what do you mean i mean that you can trust me to ask no questions if you will mind your own business as you are my wife demetrius is my business think of me as your widow then she mocked and that i can't be without the aid of demetrius why can't you speak plainly i might ask you the same question but she picked up the novel and thrust it into jim's unwilling hands i fancy you and i understand one another pretty well i won't have any man making love to you very good said leah calmly then you must remain a pauper and my husband i'm not going to all this trouble to share you with-well with whom out with it i think you can answer that question best jim upon my honour paw she said with disgust hadn't we better leave honour out of this shady business we are about to embark in you really mean to i really mean to get that twenty thousand pounds you'll lose me jim reminded her uneasily leah made a grimace my loss is another's gain she said significantly now go away jim i have to dress in my best frock in order to fascinate demetrius and she vanished into her dressing-room with a provoking laugh lord jim said something about demetrius that involved the use of unprintable language then he slipped the book into the pocket of his shooting-jacket and lumbered downstairs in spite of his squabbling with leah and the existence of some one in lima he was furiously jealous of demetrius and scowled at the russian when they met demetrius rather liked that scowl as he guessed the reason and took it as a tribute to his fascinations if he had known lady jim's real intentions and that she intended to convert english rather than french fiction into everyday facts he might not have smiled so victoriously over his coffee but demetrius made the fatal mistake of so many clever men he knew he was clever and thereby was not what he fancied himself to be the true secret of success lies not in knowing how clever one's self is but how stupid other people are while jim was growling over his provender miss Talentyre, who had finished her breakfast, slipped out of the room. She felt strange in the company of the Frumps and Fashionables, which formed the House Party. Certainly the Frumps were eating in private, and would not appear till the world was well aired, and they had been made up sufficiently well to prevent the younger generation being shocked but the fashionable people came to breakfast in public and joan found the talk far above her comprehension these languid creatures who ate so little and talked so much were like inhabitants of a strange planet and it was with great relief that the girl found herself passed over of course nobody thought of noticing cinderella in her rags as lady canvey was being rehabilitated by a skilful maid and would not be seen as the world knew her for at least two hours joan had this time to herself the brightness of the day tempted her to assume hat and jacket for a morning walk and she was shortly tripping over the crisp snow of the avenue the glorious sunshine the keen air the dazzling whiteness of the snow and the generally invigorating influence of this ideal winter morning stirred the current of her blood to nimbleness joan began to sing softly and could hardly keep from dancing so rapidly did her spirits mount skyward at length the place being solitary and she being recklessly young a sudden impulse sent her flying like an arrow between the grim furs near the gates she shot directly into the arms of a man and uttered an ejaculation this was hardly to be wondered at seeing that the arms closed tightly round her and a pair of warm lips deepened the colour which exercise had brought to her cheeks lionel cried joan and darling replied lionel which sufficiently explains the feeling which existed between lady canvey's companion and lady canvey's pet these two babies as the old lady called them had been engaged for six months but the fact was not generally known the clerical parent of joan had given his consent on the understanding that lionel was to possess a better income and the best vicarage obtainable before he made joan mrs canes the young man had agreed readily enough as he did not want to inflict his comparative penury and poor lodgings on the girl he so dearly loved joan and he had decided to wait for two years and during that time lionel was to reform lambeth he was attempting to do this with all the vigour of his energetic nature and between times made love to joan lady canvey knew of the engagement and would have had the couple married at once since she could easily have given lionel a living and wished to do so but the curate was anxious to become the vicar of firmingham the present incumbent was seriously ill and in the event of death the duke had promised that lionel should fill the pulpit therefore the lovers waited very happily and if firmingham did not come to them within the decreed two years they were quite prepared to marry on the bread and cheese of a hard london life meantime joan was seeing a trifle of west-end life under lady canvey's wing and her earnings as lady canvey's companion were most acceptable to the hard-worked mr tallentire and his wife thus it was that joan returned lionel's kiss and only released herself from his loving arms when she remembered they were within sight of the lodge lionel how can you she said setting her hat straight how can't i you mean he replied smiling do you think i am as cold as the snow i don't know if you're as nice pouted joan or you would have asked me to walk with you this morning no dear he said gravely i could not have taken you to see harold garth the poor fellow is too ill but we can walk now i have nothing to do and joan where are you going back to the house i won't be taken for a walk on nothing-to-do terms you silly child you cruel boy then they kissed and made it up in full view of a redbreast who cocked his head on one side and wondered why these human beings looked so pleased jones said "shoo" and he flew away to tell his wife while the couple walked sedately through the gates and into a world which their love created for themselves alone all the same their conversation was a trifle prosaic they read a letter which joan had received from her mother about trouble over the christmas gifts to the poor of the parish and discussed this old woman who lived in a chilly garret and that old man who dwelt like a troglodyte in a damp cellar till the conversation became as sober as the looks of the village sexton whom they met and he was a teetotaller but however enthusiastic human nature may be in the talking and doing of good works love after all takes precedence of philanthropy and shortly they began discussing themselves and their happiness what they said does not matter much although foolish it was sweet to them and joan's eyes sparkled like the icicles on the bleak hedgerows at the looks her lover gave her they walked in the pleasant land of tenderness and down the by-lane of first love joan had never seen the old french chart of that country with its quaint names and odd geography but neither lionel nor herself needed its guidance they had skimmed through the country before and knew the lie of it extremely well the pair soared pretty nearly to the gates of their transcendental heaven until the strain became too great for mere human effort and they folded their wings of thought to drop earthward that unfailing timepiece the human interior announced the hour of luncheon and with some haste they turned homeward i am hungry said lionel ogreishly don't eat me laughed miss Tallentire. you look as though you could you be red riding-hood and i the wolf suggested lionel no do be serious lionel i want you to tell me about this poor man you saw garth ah he'll never see another christmas consumption is wasting him to a shadow in another three or four months lionel broke off with a sigh poor man can't anything be done asked joan sympathetically everything possible is being done joan the duke is looking after garth in every way you know how kind he is he even sent demetrius to cure him and if demetrius can't no one else can but if he was taken to a warmer climate the end would only be retarded for a few months interrupted the curate demetrius says there is no hope and i don't think the poor fellow is sorry to go joan he has no relatives and few friends i fancy he has had a lonely life the tears filled joan's brown eyes poor fellow she echoed stealing one hand into that of her lovers fancy if we i can't fancy it with you by my side and what is more i don't intend to fancy it said lionel hastily please god you and i have many happy and useful years before us how do you like the firmingham vicarage joan oh it's lovely and such a sweet church but i fear it's too good to be true perhaps it's not what you want joked the curate if i were the duke now ah that's impossible she laughed amused at the idea of being a duchess the very idea frightens me it needn't lionel assured her you will never be called upon to wear strawberry leaves unless the duke and firth and jim all go the way poor garth is taking and then frith's wife may have a little lord firmingham i sincerely hope so as it would never do for jim to be the duke of pentland you don't like him not passionately said the curate dryly his wife would make a splendid duchess in looks i have no doubt but with fifty thousand a year and a great position she and jim would do good to neither god nor man lady james came seems very kind observed joan timidly it's all seeming of real true self-sacrifice and kindness she knows absolutely nothing but she is so beautiful lionel so was jezebel i expect oh lionel oh joan he mimicked don't worry your head over lady jim she will always get on well in this world though i am very doubtful about her position in the next come he pointed down the incline of the lane i'll race you to the bottom we might meet some one i don't care i'm out for a holiday and away flew lionel down the snowy lane with his clerical coat-tails fluttering in the wind joan girlish and simple and extremely young sped after him and with rosy cheeks arrived at the goal before her lover come said the curate wiping his heated brow considering i won three flat races at the varsity that's not bad joan you humbug as if i didn't see that you let me win i'll be a tyrant after marriage said lionel merrily enjoy your little day my love i am enjoying this day said joan as they walked rapidly towards the park gates but what will lady canvey say pooh what does it matter she was young herself a century ago she's a dear old woman no contradicted lionel critically she is old and clever but i should not call her a dear the word suits someone else me cried joan triumphantly how clever of you to guess that hullo who is this the gates were opened and a sledge issued drawn by two black ponies in it sat lady jim who was driving and dr constantine demetrius what is she up to now lionel asked himself he was intensely distrustful of lady jim but he did not explain this to joan chapter six